America Meditating Radio Show, we collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts 24-7. Hi, I'm Sister Jenna. Join me and guest on Blog Talk Radio as we amplify stories that compel us to be more for ourselves and everyone else around us. Do you like to meditate? Have you tried to meditate? Have you struggled with meditation? Why don't you visit one of the Brahma Kumaris Meditation Center? Visit brahmakumaris.org. Blaylock Dialysis Center is a convenient state-of-the-art dialysis center in the Houston area, run by Dr. Panakin Patel. Relax in a comfortable environment while receiving quality care. Serving adults 18 to geriatrics, we are here to help you. Call 713 463 6611 for more information or visit us at our website at www.blaylockdialysiscenter.com. Blaylock Dialysis Center, where helping you get well is our priority. I want to show you something. Each day around the world, 5,000 people are infected with HIV. That was over 20 years ago. Today, an estimated one in five gay men in major U.S. cities is living with HIV. So why aren't we talking about it? Today, we have the tools to make HIV history. Let's finish what we started. Because the world needs you to live. Hi, my name is Missy Crutchfield with Gandhi's Bee Magazine, an online magazine designed to raise awareness and inspire people about all of the amazing things happening in the world, as well as all the challenging things that can help us raise awareness so we can make a difference in the world and be the change. One of my inspirations is Sister Jenna and America Meditating Radio. I listen, you should too. Thank you, Missy, and Om Shanti, everyone. You have tuned into America Meditating Radio, and I'm your host, Sister Jenna, and we continue as Americans to do the best that we can and to rise up against any sort of a resistance or upheaval or confusion or doubt, and as we roll ourselves into this holiday season, I want to really emphasize that we do turn to the people that you've had issues with and just accept them as they are, love them, forgive who you need to forgive, and the most important person to forgive at this time is yourself. We're not always perfect. We don't always say the right things at the right time in the right way, but we are a work in progress. So every morning when you wake up, I'm asking all of my friends, just take a few moments of reflection. Don't hop out of the bed quickly. Don't run to a drink or turn to the newspaper, turn on the radio, or run to your phone to see what's on Facebook or what your current emails are. Just open your eyes and look inside of your mind. Observe what your first thoughts are the moment you open your eyes and see if there's anything that's opposite to love and peace and purity. See if there's anything inside that just doesn't feel comfortable. Just allow a few moments of that inner reflection to just say, I forgive you, because if I knew better, I would have done better. But what did I learn from doing that? What did I learn from being like that? What did I learn from speaking in a tone of ego or anger or fear? What did it get me? And so when you stay in that mode of silence, you start to heal. 
then you start to understand the power of forgiveness has to begin with you, with me, with all of us, before we can even understand its dynamics when I convey the power of forgiveness to President-elect Trump (laughs) and his conversation. Can you convey the power of forgiveness to the handling of the GOP party at this time in our country? And if anyone, if you are wearing blinders, if you just can't see how the vices that I call algae, A for anger, L for lust, G for greed, A for attachment, and E for ego, has consumed the consciousness of folks. And it has consumed the thinking process and the the cyclical pattern of thinking in the consciousness of leaders that they really don't care about the middleman, the smaller guy or woman, or the individual that doesn't have a handle on power at a national or global level. And so it's the vices that's responsible. And each of us have the energy of algae somewhere lurking. It's just that some of us have it at such a high level, and we haven't even taken the time to wake up and, and shift that. And so like I've told everyone, please understand the vices is a level of intention behind your thinking. It's a it's the intention in your thoughts, your words, and your actions. So if you feel like you're getting angry, just take a few seconds and pause and replace it with peace, but still convey what you need to say. So anger is replaced by peace. L for lust is replaced by purity. G for greed, I have enough. I'm contented. Joy, I'm okay. A for attachment is replaced by love. And E for ego, wow, the monster of them all, is replaced by truth, wisdom, and self-worth. And so it's not that we're going to stop being a man, a woman, black, white, gay, straight, Republican, Democrat, Christian or Jew, Muslim or a Jew, an Israeli or a Palestinian, an Indian or a Pakistanian. It is about your internal responsibility in shifting the cyclical pattern of algae into virtues. The only way we're going to unite and the only way we're going to help each other is to bring virtues in the framing of our thinking and speaking and acting. Because if I choose sides, and if I tell you that the gender of a woman is the best gender, then a man's going to feel inferior. If I choose sides and tell you being gay is the best thing on the planet, someone's going to feel like they've lost. If I choose sides and say Muslim is the number one religion and no other religion matters, someone's going to feel like they've lost, that they're not good enough. And so this is why I'm urging my beautiful, faithful, incredible listeners, it's going to take courage, it's going to take consistency, and it will take discipline. Transform that algae into virtues and get a sense of feeling safe. You're listening to America Meditating. Hold the line. I'm going to be looking forward to having a heart-to-heart conversation with my brother, Joe Goldman, who's the first managing director of the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation. Before I get Joe on the line, let's do what we do best here. 
on America Meditating Radio. Take a deep breath. Here's Feeling Safe from Just a Minute Meditation CD. Feeling safe. Taking just a minute. Like a tortoise, I move into the safety of my inner world and experience a world free from distractions. I feel secure, protected, knowing that I am true to myself. I experience my true value, independent of the influence of others. I now gently step back into my surroundings.
Welcome back. That was lifted by Bliss, and the meditation that we got a chance to just zone into was from Just a Minute Meditation by Sister Genti, and it was feeling safe. Well, let me welcome Joel Goldman. Joel is the first managing director of the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation. His national 12-year speaking tour with a groundbreaking program called Friendship in the Age of AIDS led him to speak to more than a million students at high schools, colleges, conferences, and Jewish youth groups, and his work with young people won him many awards, including the Ryan's Angel Award from the Ryan White Foundation. But immediately prior to joining the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation, Joel was director of entertainment industry relations at Malaria No More, where he created and produced events and campaigns, including Hollywood Bites Back. Comedy Fights Malaria and Malarious, which involved more than 60 comics, including Conan O'Brien and many more. But over the years, he has led many fundraising campaigns, and I was attend. I was fortunate to attend one at Whoopi Goldberg, where he really did a great campaign fundraising for the foundation. Joel has been involved where he's been able to really amplify raising millions of dollars for pediatric AIDS and other causes, too. So today we are very honored to welcome our sweet brother, Joel, to the air. Welcome, Joel. Hi, Sister Jenna. Thank you for having me on. Oh, well, I loved being with you for dinner, and the more I kept reading about the work that you're doing in amplifying the importance of educating us and helping the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation, my heart expands more and more for you because it's something that we're not pushing it aside, but, you know, stuff's happening where you're thinking like, oh, it's okay now, you know, and it's not okay. There's still a lot of work to be done. I'm thrilled to be returning to this cause in which I know that you said that you were thrilled to return to this cause of your life, helping those who are living with HIV and AIDS. Joel, share with our listeners what is it that inspired you to not only stay involved with this cause, but to have gotten involved with the cause? Well, for me, it was a you know totally personal. I was diagnosed with HIV actually 25 years ago this week. And they had told me I had two or three years to live. And so, as you mentioned, I ended up on a 12-year speaking tour because uh, originally I wanted to just educate young people that this could happen to them just like it happened to me. I was just out of college and, you know, I was living a very typical lifestyle of, you know, and I wanted to just share how this can happen to anybody and it didn't matter what religion you were from, what sexual orientation, what, you know, anything. And so it became a personal tour for me and a personal quest. And then, you know, by the grace of God and and the medications that came, you know, here I am 25 years later and, you know, I've wanted to take, you know, I feel very blessed that I look at it as I got 20 three bonus years that I wasn't supposed to get. And so I want to make each one mm, count. And I count. thought the best thing for me personally would be to return to this cause and take everything I've learned in my career path and infuse it into HIV and AIDS right now because there's such a, it's kind of been, as you said, it's kind of fallen off the radar of a top of mind you know, conversation, mm-hmm. and the truth of the matter is, is that especially here in the United States, we haven't seen a decrease in new infections in over two decades. And UNAID two years ago released a report that said 80% of the world's HIV cases are in 20 countries around the world, 
And the U.S. is number nine on that list, surrounded by African nations and India. So, you know, we're the only westernized country on that list of top 20. And it just makes, and I think, and we have all the tools here. In fact, we invent many of the interventions that exist in the world today. And then they go off into the world and they help other countries from spreading it. And here we just seem to ignore the fact that this isn't something that's gone away. It's, in fact, the other, the other dimension. Joel, isn't it interesting how when it becomes personal, we tend to find ourselves extremely activated? I mean, since November, you know, we have been dealing with a lot of personal issues as citizens mm-hmm. of America. And now you're seeing just this uprising in the country. It's personal. So sometimes it, it always strikes why is it that I have to go through such hardship? It's just interesting how we're getting activated because things are hitting us now at a very, very personal level. And I know that AIDS becomes a very, very personal experience because we are confronting our mortality. And I don't know if even America feels it is approaching its mortality, why everyone seems to be having this sense of anxiety in the country. Now, this starting December 1st, it's World AIDS Day which got started in 1988. Could you educate our listeners on the importance of this day and what are we asked to do in honoring this day, whether we ourselves are personally feeling that AIDS is an issue, but someone, many of us have had somebody that's been affected. Just like King says, whatever affects one person affects all. And so educate us a little bit more about the importance of World AIDS Day. Yeah, World AIDS, you know, there are a lot of days out there. There are a lot of subjects in the world for us to care about, and I think what's really important about these days, like a World AIDS Day, is it hopefully gets us to focus back on an issue that sort of has is not focused on every day. In the 80s and when it was in the headlines every day, we always focused on it. So I think having a day like World AIDS Day where the media and universities and schools and civic groups will all do, and AIDS service organizations, of course, will all do events to really highlight what's going on in the world. And I think, you know, if we all can start, I believe that if we can start talking about this again and, Mm -hmm. you know, the tools are there today, which weren't there 20 years ago, to really end HIV and AIDS. And, you know, it really does start with everybody just knowing their status. Because if you know if you're HIV positive or negative, you can then get on medications. And these medications not only save your lives, that's why I'm here 25 years later when I shouldn't be, but they also prevent if you reach viral suppression, which means you've pushed enough of the virus back in your body, you can't even, it's nearly impossible to transmit it to other people. So that's the other way we can stop the spread of this is is by everybody just knowing their status and getting on medication. I hope World AIDS Day this year, there's a big focus. Is there any major event or major portal that we could turn to to participate in this specific month of December, which is, I think, honoring World AIDS Day and, and pushing more out there the narrative of how we can be more of service in this area? 
I really would recommend for people, and, you know, there's not really one national kind of portal or event, but mm-hmm. I would say in every city in America, the aid service organizations or are going to be having some sort of event in people's local cities. And I think that would be, I think getting involved locally and on the grassroots level and learning how HIV and AIDS is affecting your community is really one of the best ways. I think it's AIDS.gov is a good place for people to go to find out who works in their communities and be able to mm-hmm. understand what organizations are there locally. Okay, beautiful. Okay, What are the biggest barriers that are preventing many of us seeing an end to new HIV diagnosis and AIDS-related deaths? I mean, look at Magic Johnson, just like you. I mean, you guys have now you know, inherited many, many more years of, of existing, you know, which is great. Right. So are there still barriers around us really understanding, you know, that there are even new diagnoses coming up and, and how are we supposed to learn more about it? Yeah, I think some of the barriers are, I think the biggest barrier is stigma. There seems to be a lot more stigma even with the disease than I would say how I felt in the 90s living with it. I think a big part of that is people don't express themselves and talk about it. There's a fear of people are afraid, again, that they might, and, you know, especially as you were mentioning what's happening in the current world, people are, are afraid of, you know, sharing their diagnosis with their friends. And so people don't think they know anybody with HIV and AIDS today where, and I think that stigma that's associated is also preventing people from getting HIV tests and getting on the medications that can, you know, save their life and also help them to stop spreading the disease if they have it. So to me, it really boils down to us being able to have dialogues again and talk about it and for people to be, you know, to not let this issue be pushed down because the more there's stigma, I think, the more HIV we're going to see. You know, knowledge is power. Let's talk a little bit about the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation. I'm sure your work continues, Ms. Taylor's legacy, and it's helping individuals with HIV and AIDS. It's got to be a huge responsibility for you. So how does the foundation actually continue the work that she started? And what would you say are some of the key interventions and programs that the foundation is supporting today? So, you know, Elizabeth Taylor, for any of your listeners who might be younger or don't remember, but, in you know, in the mid-'80s when no one was talking, you know, when there was really no leadership around HIV and AIDS, I mean, it, it was seven years before President Reagan even said, made a speech about HIV and AIDS from the time, it, you know, it, was, it came into existence. So it, Elizabeth kept waiting for somebody to be a leader, and finally she just said, she said, you know, stop waiting and do it. And so in 1985, against her, you know, against advice given to her by publicists and studio heads and managers and agents that this would kill her career if she took this on and stepped out front with it, she still did And because she thought someone had to take a stand and someone had to bring attention to this. And, and you know, she really put everything on the line to step out for this. And then, you know, she co-founded AMFAR, which provides, you know, which has done the research and provides medication uh, for those of us who are living with it and also other kinds of medication that will hopefully lead to a, vac- uh, you know, research that will lead to a vaccine someday through AMFAR. And then in 1991, when she saw the 
people were living longer because of these medications. She wanted to do something personally for HIV and AIDS, and she started the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation, which um, kind of a cute story is that she actually, uh, the seed money came from her selling her wedding photos uh, to Larry Fortinsky to People Magazine, and she took that first million dollars and she opened up her foundation with it. And she always wanted to just be a place where we, where the focus was on caring for the people who this was affecting. And so we still move forward. We move forward in the kind of key tent poles that she put out for us, and that was to care for people, making sure they had housing, food, support, to be in front with prevention and make sure that we have comprehensive sexual health education, that, that syringe exchange for those who use intravenous drugs is available. And the last thing that she really did in her life was uh, advocacy, which we continue today. And I'm very mm-hmm. blessed that many of her family and friends, and I know you met Quinn, her grandson, mm-hmm. at Whoopi Goldberg's house, and Whoopi Goldberg herself are ambassadors for us. And they're all people who knew Elizabeth, and they help us carry on her legacy. Tell us a story that you feel at this point in your journey has touched you immensely with the work that you've been doing for all of these number of years that keeps you hopeful. You know, it's seeing one of the other things, you know, uh, the Elizabeth Taylor Age Foundation, we focus 60% in the U.S. and 40% uh, internationally. And our biggest project is in Malawi. Elizabeth, eight years ago, realized that access to health care was really one of the biggest barriers in ending HIV and AIDS. And so she picked one of the most highest HIV hotspots in Africa and one of the places that was the most rural, the farthest, you know, people were walking a day just to get to a clinic that may or may not be open. So she started the Elizabeth Taylor mobile health clinic with our implementing partners, Gaia, on the ground in the Mulanji district of Malawi. And, uh, you know, I've been there several times. But this last time when we went in the summer, you know, eight years ago when she started this program and the medication wasn't getting to the people, people were dying like they were here in the 80s and early 90s because, you know, they were dying quick and it was very painful and there were no hospitals. And, and then about eight years ago when this program started and the medication started getting to these villages in this district, people started to live, but they... You know, and so eight years later, there's still a little bit of, you know, anxiety and fear about HIV and AIDS and getting people to get tested, some of the same problems we have here in the U.S. And I was telling my story to a group of men at a men's health day clinic that I was HIV positive and had been for 25 years because I take these medications. And this man who was in the crowd, and they never talk about it in Africa, especially among the men, stood up right. and he pulled and he pulled his medication out of his bag and he said, my friends, I've been on these medications for the last eight years. I was near death, as you remember, and I'm here and I'm HIV positive and I ask each one of you to get a test. And so, you know, me sharing my little bit of my piece of my life inspired him to stand up. And now he's actually, uh, we've got him a bike and he's riding around to different villages oh, and telling so a story in Africa. So it's sort of parallels what I did in the 90s of wanting to share my story and seeing this man wow. do it. So that's kind of one of the most 
impactful moments of this year for me. Indeed. You know, I was, um, Sister Gita just slipped me a paper and she was sharing with me that when she used to work for the Jewish Vocational uh, Center in Florida, the director had been diagnosed with, with HIV. And she remembered sitting with him and letting him know that everything was cyclical and that this will pass. It's not something that stays with him in his spirit for the rest of his life. And she was saying that once we sort of know that we go through different stages and cycles of events and cycles of situations, then we don't use our limited thinking to think, this is it, I'm dead, there's no hope. Because that energy only feeds that. Rather, we can go, well, this is a journey. This is something that's recorded in my spirit. Now let me move on. Whether I survive it or not, let me try to find a way in in how my thoughts can amplify life. And she just slipped that and said how beautiful it was that he was able to find hope that things just don't always stay the same. You know, change is inevitable because we're in a cycle. And what a beautiful story. Right? What a beautiful story with this guy on the bicycle. Joel, I want to thank you for the work that you're doing. And, of course, you've got oceans of blessings from us here to continue to do the good work that you are and keep yourself healthy and empowered. I think before I end the show, I would love for you to share with us um, a message of inspiration, a message of hope, perhaps what's the best vision that Joel could hold for himself, something that would make even the world a better place. And if there's a website that you would like our listeners to know more about your work, please leave us with that as well. I'll start with that. The website is www.etaf.org for Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation, etaf.org. And we'd love people to go and visit and see the work we're doing and also how they can help. And also really important, too, that everyone knows their HIV status and gets a test. And we have a little... I think it's called a widget where you put in your zip code and it will help you find testing sites near you. So that's really the most important thing for us to move this forward. You know, I guess as I to answer your question, I mean, I feel like I said, I feel like I've got 23 bonus years and living there are, well, I don't encourage people to go out there and get something that makes you face your mortality. I would say in some ways, HIV is the best gift I ever got, the way I live my life mm-hmm. because of it, the path and the journey I've been on because of it. And, you know, the amazing thing is that then the medications came and I was able to, you know, they worked well for me and I'm doing great. So I think the message I've learned from all of this is when something bad does happen, uh, we need to embrace it. And I think you referred to that when we started the conversation with how we're watching people really be activated right now because of some of the messages of fear and hate that they're hearing out there. And I think we have to embrace the bad stuff in order to see, you know, light rise from it. Beautiful. Well said. Joel, thank you so much and all the very best. And if you've got any updates that you'd like us to share, please let us know so we can continue our meaningful conversation. Thank you so much. It's great to talk to you, and I hope to see you again soon, too. Same here. All the best. Take care. Bye. So look at how you can get an additional 23 years to continue. And what do you do with those years? You do service. You 
amplify your quality of existence and you don't live life as if it didn't mean anything to you. You get active, you get involved, you educate, you amplify, you inspire. And even though there are outs, ups and downs, the good days and the not so good days, it is still all a part of the fact that you got an extra few years. You got some extra minutes. You've gotten some extra seconds, and so what are you going to do with them? So for more information, just go to www.etaf.org or go to the Elizabeth Taylor AIDSFoundation.org. It's the holiday season. Please, as I mentioned earlier on in the air, please turn to the folks that you've got issues with. Forgive them, appreciate them, love them anyway. First, start with yourself. Learn how to be able to embrace and accept who and where you are in your journey, knowing that there'll always be room for change. And please, America, keep the calm. Keep the calm. I know it's a rough age, it's a rough time, but we've got what it takes to be able to rise up because we are known to be a nation of resilience, right? Okay, so we're going to play Gratitude from Kristen Hoffman. And remember, no one can take away your happiness uh, unless you give them permission. And we are here to love each other the same. So let's keep adding some love and gratitude to the atmosphere. Take care.
there's nothing more. 